Welcome to Mosaic, the EDC podcast. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity with EDC staff around the world. When she was working at the Tennessee Department of Health, Lorraine Swanson Lusinski was confronted with the human impact of the opioid crisis every day. But she also witnessed the power of home visiting programs to support families who struggled with substance misuse. In this podcast, Lusinski discusses how parents' substance misuse impacts their children's health and wellness, and why investing in home visiting services is so critical. So Lorraine, thanks so much for being here today. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you've been in the field of child development for a long time, and you've served in many roles. You started out doing early intervention with children, but eventually you went on for long tenures at the Wisconsin Department of Health Services and Tennessee Department of Health. Um, now at EDC, you direct the National Home Visiting Improvement Action Center team, otherwise known as HV Impact, uh, which supports home visiting programs across the United States. So I think I'm interested first in what attracted you to this line of work. Well, in one of the first college-level developmental psychology classes that I took in the late 80s, we spent half the semester discussing whether it was nature versus nurture. And so do babies develop because of the biology they're born with or because of the interaction with people in the world? And we now know that it is both. And so uh, over the course of my career, I've had the pleasure of watching all of these scientific discoveries and research about early brain development and infant early childhood mental health and the effect of adverse childhood experiences and early relational health. And we see how that's changing the way that we as a society understand what children need to develop healthy and well. So I've been fortunate in my career to have designed, implemented, and evaluated a number of initiatives that create both community and state level opportunities that really support what we know children need, safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments. Um, and I'm fortunate now to support states and territories across the country who are implementing home visiting programs, which are scientifically proven to positively support families with infants and young children. So you spent a lot of time in Wisconsin and Tennessee working with families and and seeing what was going on um, at a state level. Can you talk about how the opioid crisis has affected families there? Sure. As many people know, the incidences of opioid use has increased, um, and that's just because of the increased availability of prescription drugs. What many people didn't realize um, until more recently is that the maternal opioid use has increased as well, and that's both from the prescription drug use um, as well as illicit drug use. Um, That affects babies, so the fetal drug exposure has increased. So when I was in Tennessee, we started hearing from our hospital partners that there were more and more babies being born addicted to opioids. Um, And upon birth, babies born addicted have withdrawal symptoms that include things like irritability, intense crying, tremors, inability to sleep, sometimes seizures. This is referred to as neonatal abstinence syndrome. And about 75 to 90 percent of babies that are born exposed to substances develop NAS. So Tennessee was one of the first states that started weekly monitoring of NAS back in 2013. And each year since, the total number of cases has been higher than the previous year. And so there is statistics that believe that over 10,000 babies are born with neonatal abstinence from across the country every year. And so beyond the public health concerns, it's also very costly. It costs an average of $40,000 per infant of a baby that's born with NAS to taxpayers because many of them are covered by Medicaid. 
Another area where we're seeing some really big effects of the opioid crisis is in foster care placements. After years and years of downward trends in the number of kids being pulled into foster care, a recent study showed that 10% a rise in overdose deaths is also resulting in a 10% rise in the rate of entry into foster care. And so this uptick is really putting a significant strain on child services, staffing, and other resources, especially in those states that are hardest hit by the opioid epidemic. So now tell me a little bit about how living in an environment where opioid misuse is occurring uh, can shape a child's social and emotional development. Well, Bert, we now have science which clearly demonstrates that the brain architecture established early in life, about 80% of the brain synapses are formed by age three, really provides the foundation for lifelong learning, behavior, and health. And we know that adversity in those early years can really derail that healthy brain development. And safe, stable, caring relationships and positive interactions help shape that brain architecture. So when we're looking at substance use disorder and a healthy caregiver, their neural circuitry is wired to respond so that it rewards successful caregiving behaviors. So baby cries, the caregiver responds, the baby stops crying, and the caregiver's brain releases all kinds of happy chemicals that bring pleasure. In a parent with substance use disorder, the neural circuitry of the caregiver is hijacked by the substance. So it often leaves the parent to feel stressed and unrewarded it. So if the baby cries, there's no chemical reward. And in fact, they often have heightened stress, which activates fight or flight mode. And the caregiver becomes withdrawn or over controlling. And then they look to substances to calm them down. So young children naturally reach out for interaction through babbling and gestures and adults respond in kind. The baby that's living with the caregiver using substances is not receiving that interaction that their brain needs to calm down. So they now have all kinds of stress hormones flooding through their brain. And this means that the baby is in a state of stress, and that actually changes the brain structure. You'll see this manifest itself as behaviors such as inability to regulate their emotions, high levels of activity, inability to focus, and being in a heightened state of response. So they're very jumpy, they're uh, very nervous children. So what kind of interventions can support children who have suffered from this sort of trauma? Well, there are a number of things that we can do, including early intervention for children, parent education and support for parents, Things that are two generational programs that support both parents and children have demonstrated positive impacts. Um, One of the most well-known is evidence-based home visiting. So now you're the director of HV Impact, which is the National Home Visiting Improvement Action Center team. What role do you think that home visiting can play in all of this in supporting children, supporting families, and helping communities get through opioid misuse? It is important to note that home visiting is not itself a direct treatment model for those facing substance use or addiction issues. And I always want to make sure I start that off. What home visitors can and often do is offer support to families and referrals for direct treatment for substance use problems and get them to the treatment counselors. So what they can do is home visiting can play a significant role in mitigating today's opioid addiction crisis by reducing the stress that parents feel They can help the parents while they're getting clean and staying clean by enhancing the parents' motivation to do better for their children. They can screen and assess for substance use. They can educate about the impact substance use has on the baby's developing brain. They can promote treatment readiness and connect parents who have substance use issues to the appropriate professional services. They can do the hard work, like help the parents find doctors and treatment beds, and they can help parents get to their appointments and find a way to care for their children and their absence. 
absence. Many of the treatment programs do not consider the impact of children. And so it's important that parents are able to have the care that they need for their children while they're seeking the treatment. And then finally, do you have any recommendations for how policymakers and public health professionals should be supporting children and families who've been affected by opioid misuse? I do. They can do things such as expand programs such as home visiting that have a strong evidence base of supporting parents. They can support high quality early care and education environments for the 70% of children under three who spend time in out of home care while parents work. It's really important to make sure that the early care and education environments are knowledgeable and providing the support that the babies need that they may not be getting at home. And they can invest in evidence-based drug treatment, mental health and counseling programs that really help keep families together. Um, expanding opportunities for parents to receive substance use treatment, which takes into account their baby or their young child, um, such as if it's inpatient, being able to bring the baby with, or if it's outpatient, providing care for that child during counseling makes a huge difference. And if the parent is able to receive the proper treatment that they need. Great. Well, Lorraine, thanks so much for being here today. I really enjoyed talking to you about this issue. Thank you for having me. It was pleasurable. For more information about Lucinski's work to support home visiting services, or to learn more about how EDC is responding to the opioid crisis, visit us online at edc.org.